Hello, and welcome to Stories from Another Day, a Collingwood Museum podcast. I'm your host, Ken Mahar, and together we're on a journey to uncover the stories of the people and the events that make our town of Collingwood the amazing place it is. This is episode number five, and today's story is Not One Left Behind. There was an urgent knocking at the door. As the woman cautiously looked out the window between the drawn curtains, the pounding came again. Let me in! Relief showed on her face as she moved to the door and opened it. Outside, in the street, it was quiet. Too quiet. A smaller man slipped inside before the door was even halfway open. Across the street, another figure could be seen slinking from one building to the next. It's here, the visitor said, still out of breath from running. The train, it's finally arrived. We're safe. I heard the whistle myself not even twenty minutes ago. The woman nodded gravely. That makes sense. I saw a sail go up in the harbor about the same time. I should go back out and help. The smaller man steeled himself to say, but with no joy in his eyes. No, I think we should stay inside and wait to see what happens. Parting the curtains again, she looked out onto the deserted street as she continued. No point in getting in the soldier's way. Enough people have been hurt already. It was a fateful day in early September of 18... 56, and the crew of the schooner Malta had come ashore to make the best of their leave by visiting some of the town's drinking establishments. And they had plenty to choose from. You see, at the time, even though Collingwood had a population of around a thousand people, she boasted fifteen taverns, six saloons, two breweries, and a distillery. With such an abundance of choices, well, you know that eventually someone is going to make a bad one. And so it was that in due course of time, one of the crew of the Malta, having made some bad choices, found himself arrested and brought into custody for a misdemeanor charge. But here's where the story thickens. The rest of the crew, it seems, took great umbrage at the thought of having to leave one of their own behind. Arming themselves with knives and revolvers, they stormed the jail and forcibly removed their comrade. When further arrests were threatened, the mob grew more bold instead of less so. The local constable and the good citizens of the town, it was clear, didn't know how to respond to such a marauding force in their streets. And so the riot began in earnest. Not having the resources to deal with the problem alone, 
a telegraph was quickly sent off to the village of Barrie to request the aid of the Barrie Rifle Company. And so it was that twenty well-armed men and their officers boarded the train at Allendale and arrived in Collingwood within a day. But it seemed like so much longer for the good people of Collingwood awaiting their help. Upon arriving, the volunteer militia began securing the town without delay. However, the opposition they met was almost non-existent, for by the time they finally arrived, the rioting sailors had sniffed the breeze, as one writer put it, and made preparations to beat a hasty departure. You see, with the threat of a well-trained resistance, the thought of rioting had lost some of its shine. A boat, provisions, and a compass were secured in quick order, and the crew slipped away into the depths of the Georgian Bay. When the Barry Rifle Company finally figured out what had happened, the local authorities were happy to equip them with a boat of their own to follow after and bring them back to justice. The events of this first Collingwood riot, oh yes, there were more than one in our town's rough-and-tumble early days, were likely one of the motivating factors in our community's desire to become its own legal entity, separate from the township of Nottawasaga. In fact, the desire for autonomy was so strong that it would lead many a citizen to play fast and loose with the law themselves. But that is a story for another day. On this September day in 1856, the Barry Rifle Company, fatigued and disappointed at having lost the outlaw boat, eventually returned to the Collingwood Harbor after having scoured several of the area islands to no avail. However, upon arriving back in town, what did they discover? Not one, but two of the drunken sailors who had been inadvertently left behind by their shipmates in their hasty retreat. And no one came back for them when they were subsequently arrested. The image for today's episode is a picture of Huron Street, the scene of the crime, so to speak, from the year 1858, just two years after the events just spoken of. And if you look very closely, you can see a sign in there that says the Huron Saloon. Larry Cotton, in his book Whiskey and Wickedness, from which this story comes, identifies not just that saloon, but three saloons in this one block in that picture, the Huron Saloon, the Bay Horse Saloon, and the American Saloon. And that leads me to our question for today. Have you ever found yourself having such a good time that you have left behind something important? Maybe it was uh, your brand new wallet at the RCMP musical ride. Maybe you left behind your favorite 
Spider-Man t-shirt while you were on holiday. Or maybe it was your little brother after you had had a chance to visit with Mr. Dress-Up in person. Two of those I felt pretty bad about leaving behind. And the third one, well, I, uh, I was read the riot act for that. But in my defense, when Mr. Dress-Up tells you it's time to go, you listen. So no need to incriminate yourself, but if you'd like to drop us a line and let us know what you have left behind, or maybe you've been caught in a crowd whose spirit changed very quickly, either for the good or the bad, we'd love to hear those stories as well. And speaking of riots, now that school is over, if you have children or know someone who does and you don't want to be caught in a riot brought about by excessive boredom, then may I suggest you look into the Collingwood Museum's selection of new activity kits that we will be making available every other week in July and August. These kits are designed for children ages 6 through 12. They're heritage-inspired crafts and activities, and each one contains a surprise from the museum gift shop. These kits are available for a suggested donation of $10 apiece, and starting yesterday, orders can be placed for curbside pickup by calling 705-445-4811 extension 7211. That number will be in the show description. Quantities are limited and the kits are on a first-come, first-served basis. We have to offer them again because the realities of our current situation mean that as a museum, we're going to miss out on being able to offer our regular children's programs again this summer. But we can't wait to see what you can create with these activity kits. The dates and the themes for the various kits are as follows. In the weeks of July 5 through 16, the theme is the land we love. July 19 to 30th, the community that we love. August the 2nd to 13th, the water we love. And August 16 to 27, the art that we love. Check out our Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash Collingwood Museum for more information and some of the pictures of the activities and the crafts. And finally, I'd just like to thank each and every one of you for continuing to listen and to say that if you have any questions or comments about our stories or ideas for other stories you think we should tell, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email to museum at collingwood.ca, or you can leave us a voice message by visiting our podcast home at anchor.fm forward slash stories. Well, that's it for now. So please join us again for more stories from another day.